The Baltimore Ravens are top Super Bowl contenders for the 2023 NFL season. We talk about that and so much more coming up next year on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Ravens, where your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host with you, Kevin Ostraker of Ravenswire here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Thank you so much for being here and, of course, making us your first listen each and every day. You're free and available, all podcasting platforms. That includes over in video form on YouTube, where we do have the live fish in the background. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase, last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. It is Friday, September 1st. We have hit September. I know the saying is, wake me up when September ends. No, wake me up when September starts because we got football coming up. The season starts uh, Thursday, less than a week we have till football. The Ravens, they play Sunday, week one against the Houston Texans. And obviously, this is a big year for the Ravens. Expectations are super high. They've added a lot of key positions. And today we're going to be talking about why the Ravens are top Super Bowl contenders this year, why they can win the Super Bowl. Now, I'm not saying they will. Obviously, we got to wait to see what they can do this season. But before the season starts, I'm very bullish for expectations, my personal expectations this year, and what they can do. So we'll talk about why they can do it and why I'm confident in them this season. We'll also get into positional previews a little bit. I might expand on this over the course of next week before we get into, obviously, the game preview with the Texans. But we'll talk a little bit about the positions, where we like the Ravens right now, where we're worried about the Ravens right now. We'll get into that. Then lastly, we'll get into the latest roster moves. Baltimore made a couple additions to their active roster. They put some guys on IR, and we'll talk about that a little bit as well. So again, we're five days a week here, Ravens podcast, so Monday through Friday. And obviously, more will be live streaming after every single game this season, so that's exciting. And also, we're going to have something new coming up where you can get updates from me, and it's it's not finalized yet, but I'm really excited about it where you can get notifications and honestly updates from me before Twitter. So that's super exciting as well. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Let's talk about the Ravens in the Super Bowl now, because I think for Baltimore, expectations this year are sky high. I think the the aura that the Ravens have, you know, I'm trying to think of the right word. I think I think what the Ravens have around them right now is a lot of good energy. And obviously good energy, just good energy isn't going to win you a Super Bowl, but it gets you there. And they just don't have good energy, but they have good players and good talent. And the camaraderie is obviously going to come with time and getting guys up to speed in a whole new offensive system. But that's where I want to start, honestly, with Greg Roman out. And Todd Munkin, and we've talked about it all offseason. Now we're less than a week away from seeing what it is in action, live action with the starters, with Lamar out there, Odell Beckham out there. Every every weapon Lamar has at his disposal, this is the best group of weapons Lamar Jackson has had. And, and we did a little season preview with the AFC North. I, I love getting together with those guys and talking football. I, I love all of them and talking football with them. But one of the conversations we had was, essentially Lamar Jackson versus Joe Burrow. And everybody took Joe Burrow except for me. I took Lamar Jackson, and rightfully so, right? But one of the points, I think I for, I think I didn't even make it. I wanted to make it. I just I think I forgot to do it. And I think Tanya, Tanya, who listens to the show a lot, I, I'm going to give you a shout-out here, Tanya, because I think you made the point, and Tanya made this really good point of Lamar with the weapons that 
he's had over the course of his career have come nowhere close to Joe Burrow. We're not, we're not going to get into a discussion of Lamar versus Joe Burrow right now. But my point is Lamar has the best cast of weapons that he's ever had in his career, an extremely deep wide receiver room, a couple of guys who have wide receiver one potential if everything goes right in Odell and Rashad Bateman and even Zay Flowers. Now, do I expect all of them to put up wide receiver one numbers and give them that production? No, I think that's unrealistic. But I still think that the Ravens have enough for Lamar, and it feels that way for the first time in his entire career. I think everybody who's a Ravens fan who watches the Ravens can relax when they say, all right, the Ravens finally went and helped Lamar Jackson the way that they should have helped him, and that includes the offensive system with Todd Munkin. More throwing, more free reign for Lamar, letting him be comfortable in his own offense, where I think Lamar's confident in himself. I don't think it was confident in the offense he was in over the past couple of years with Greg Roman. And looking back at some of the 2022 stats that we saw from this offense, again, for those who don't know, if you're maybe new here, if you if this is maybe your first episode, you haven't listened to me talk stats before, for passing and rushing, I go off of net yards per attempt and yards per attempt instead of total yards, because if you're the Ravens and you run the ball 500 times a season, you're obviously going to be first in rushing yards, right? Because it's volume. But if you don't run the ball well on those attempts and you finish with a, I don't know, four yards per carry, that's going to that's gonna impact what your overall rushing success is. So I go off of net yards per attempt. Baltimore net yards per attempt-wise, they were a great rushing team. They, they were third in the NFL in rushing and also actually third in the NFL in rushing offense and third in the NFL in rushing defense. 5.2 yards per attempt on offense, only gave up 3.9 on defense. But net yards per attempt for the Ravens, they were 21st in passing. It felt like the Ravens opened up the deep game early on. And then obviously Lamar gets hurt. He goes down about week, what was it, week 12, week 13? I can't remember the exact week against Denver. But Tyler Huntley, one of his weaknesses is the deep ball. Baltimore did not push the ball down the field. And obviously there are still some questions about Lamar's deep ball and his accuracy with that. Did not have a good deep ball year last year. His seemingly struggle with consistency in camp this year. I, it's going to be a big point to me to say, can Lamar get the deep ball at least back to where it was, which was fine. He doesn't have to be the best deep ball passer in the league, but with Odell and Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews, those guys can all go deep and you can bomb a ball out to them 20, 30 yards and then go up there and make a catch, but they have to go and be able to get the ball and it's not overthrown or underthrown. Obviously in attempts, the Ravens did not throw the ball a lot. They were 28th in attempts and passing with 488, but then you look at the rushing attempts, they were seventh. The Ravens only had one top 10 passing year under Greg Roman in terms of attempts. That was 2021 when they were essentially forced to do it because they lost their entire running back room before the season. What I've been saying for a long time is the Ravens have needed a more balanced offensive system. And I think that's what they're getting in Todd Munkin, where he's not going to just abandon the run. I think everything we've talked about this offseason with the offense has been, oh, yeah, they're going to throw the ball so much and throw the ball. But I think we've been, I don't, I don't, I guess neglecting, neglecting the running back position and not talking about those guys. Obviously, JK is back now. They have Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, Keaton Mitchell. He's on my R now. I'll get to that in the final part of the show. But those three guys, plus maybe you want to call up a Melvin Gordon from the practice squad, I don't, I don't know. But it's not like those guys are just going to disappear. I think they're still going to be volume, still going to be workload. And I don't expect the Ravens to move into being like a top five attempts passing team. I don't expect them to throw the ball more than any other team this season. But the issue with the Greg Roman offense was that it just wasn't prevalent enough. And the wide receiver usage was so down 
one, they weren't getting used to their full potential. And two, wide receivers just didn't want to come to Baltimore because they essentially they knew what it was. Receivers and, and players have different motives, what they want their career to be and what they want to prioritize. If it was catches and yards and touchdowns as a receiver, you won't come to Baltimore. If it was a tight end, you could come to Baltimore and you'd be having fun in the Greg Roman offense. It, it's a, it was a very tight end friendly offense. But I think Todd Munkin's offense will let guys play to their skill set a little better, which is really important. And I haven't even talked defensively where the Ravens did lose Clay's Campbell. They did lose Justin Houston. They did lose other depth pieces as well, like Jason Pierre-Paul. And obviously Chuck Clark gets traded to the Jets. But I think in Marcus Peters in that conversation too. But I think that despite the holes that they have at some positions, I think pass rush is a concern for some people. And I'm a little iffy on it right now. I also think the corner position outside of Marlon Humphrey, who we know is going to miss some time, which is not good, is a little iffy. In fact, a lot iffy. But the Ravens still have stars in that in that secondary. They still have stars on their defense. Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen and Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton. Now, Queen and Hamilton have to continue off a strong seasons, right? Queen going from his third to his fourth year. Hamilton going from his first to his second year. But then can guys like Justin Matabike step up? Can guys like Broderick Washington step up? Adafi Owe, David Ajabo, how's Jadavian Clowney going to fit in? It's it's so weird to me because I think despite how well the defense closed out the year last year, to me, I think the defense has more questions than the offense. And we haven't even seen the offense play it. I think the questions with the offense, well, okay, I think it goes both ways. I think for the Ravens, the questions with the offense, it's how is it going to work? How are guys going to flow and get ready with the offense and figure out how they want to perform and where a guy's strengths. It's probably going to take a little time for the defense. It's well, can all these guys step up and perform? Cause you're not questioning Lamar. You're not questioning Mark Andrews. You're not questioning some of those guys on that offensive line, like Ronnie Stanley and Kevin Zeitler, et cetera. But on defense, you have a lot of young guys who need to step up. I'm projecting that some will and some won't, right? You're not going to get every single player you need to step up. It'd be great if it happened, but it's just, it's just not realistic. So to me, at least, I think that the Ravens roster-wise have one of the best units on offense in the entire NFL, and hopefully that translates over to what Todd Munkin's doing. On defense, they have the star power in a lot of different areas, plus Mike McDonald, who I think really grew into his role last season. Those are all key factors. And coming up in the second part of the show, we'll continue this conversation by talking about why the Ravens can win the Super Bowl, why their top Super Bowl contenders getting into not only the teams in their conference in the AFC but their division and also getting in some of the positional previews for this team so we should just stay tuned lots to get to still on lockdown Ravens but first this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook and get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel America's number one sportsbook right now new customers can bet five dollars and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed plus all customers who bet five dollars will get 100 dollars off of NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV now is the best time to join FanDuel the app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So whether you want the more Jackson player props, maybe you want to bet the Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, Overs, maybe the Ravens win the Super Bowls we're talking about here. Be sure to do that on FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. We're back here, our second segment of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Allshaker is still here with you on this Purple Friday, September 1st. Again, football season, September Feels like football. I feel like we're, we're rounded out the summer now and we're getting into full. I mean, the weather is getting a little colder out. So I'm excited for football season here. And I'm excited for the Ravens and the expectations they have. We're going to continue our conversation about why they, to my opinion, can win the Super Bowl this season. Again, nothing given. They got to go earn it. And obviously this is on paper before the season starts. 
But me personally, I'm very bullish on what they can do this season. And part of that, again, has to do not just with the players on their roster, but that's a big part of it. But for the Ravens in the AFC, I've said this before. I'll say it again. If you're an everyday, you, you heard me put out this tier list. To me, I think the Chiefs are in a tier of their own. You know, they're the champions. I'm willing to call them a tier one team. But I think that no order, the Bengals, the Ravens, and the Bills are the tier two of the AFC. I call the big four in the AFC, again, no particular order, Chiefs, Bills, Ravens, Bengals. That's just where I have it right now. I think other teams can make a run. Like, I think the, the Jets will be good with Aaron Rodgers. I think that we'll see a resurgence from the Chargers and the Broncos. I think the Jaguars prove themselves. Can the Titans be good with DeAndre Hopkins in the fold now? But what's their Henry status? Can't forget the Dolphins, even without Jalen Ramsey. Bill Belichick and those Patriots can never forget about them. And obviously Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin and the Browns, they have a good roster. We'll see what Deshaun Watson does, but I think the Browns other than Watson have a, have a good roster there. And then other teams as well. Like what are the Raiders going to do with Jimmy Garoppolo? I don't think it's the Colts or the, or, or the Texans time this year, but there are a lot of teams in the AFC that can compete for playoff spots. I think there are probably, I've said this, 12 and a half or 13 and a half playoff teams, maybe 14, depending on where you classify the Raiders as a playoff team. But those teams, at least a lot of them are just competing for playoff spots and maybe are wild card teams or division around exits. I really think Baltimore has what it takes or has what it takes on their roster to go all the way. And to me, you know, what is a successful season for the Ravens? I've, I've kind of talked about this for a while and I've kind of sprinkled it in here and there, and I will talk about it more next week. But to me, what a successful season is for the Ravens is at least an AFC championship game. And the reason for that is because I, I've said this feel a ton. So again, if you're an everyday, I apologize if you've heard it before, but I'm a big, I'm, I'm a big growth guy. I'd like to say in terms of, I like to see growth with this team. When Lamar Jackson came into the league in 2018, they made the playoffs. They made the wild card round. Obviously the more steps in for Joe Flacco and leads them to what a six and one record and takes them in and they lose to the chargers. In, in a home game, like fine, they, they do that. And that's fine. It's the first step in the growth. Then the second season, 2019 was their 14 and two season, massive step in growth. They grew a ton and showed that, Hey, this is the more Jackson guy is for real. The Ravens are for obviously the, the, the divisional exit after the bye was super disappointing, but again, it's a step on the ladder. Then in 2020, that was the year that the Ravens actually got over the hump and they won a playoff game. They, they beat the Titans in the wild card round. They lose, they lose to the Bills in the divisional round. That was disappointing. But again, it was growth. They hadn't won a playoff game. Lamar finally wins a playoff game. That was more growth. 2021 and 2022 have not been growth years, in my opinion. I'm not saying every year has to be a step, a step, a step, a step, but you want to take something away. In the past two seasons, yes, I will acknowledge they've been pretty injury marred. 2021, much more so than 2022, although 2022 was not fun injury-wise for the Ravens. But it was no playoffs, and it was a wild card exit. Without Lamar, you can't really gauge a ton because you don't have your guy there. But health is a real factor in the NFL, and Lamar right now is signing that big money contract now. So I want to see this team grow with the expectations they have, with everybody. If everybody can stay healthy, and again, they're already having some issues in the corner room. But to me, with a fully healthy roster, I think, again, the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals are the teams that can rival the Ravens. But I do think the Ravens have built their defense for Cincinnati. We saw that over week five and the wild card game, where again, if Tyler Huntley did not fumble that ball on the goal line, I think the Ravens would have won that game. The Bills are a weird team. You know, there's a lot of fluctuation with them. Obviously, a very good team. I don't want to say I don't want to make it seem like I'm not saying they're good, but there's just there's a lot that 
could go wrong with them. The Chiefs, to me, are a team that we don't know what's going on with Chris Jones. Well, with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey over there, you cannot cannot count those guys out. They just won the Super Bowl, so <laughs> obviously you can't. But then in the NFC, if the Ravens can get past, I, I think the AFC road will be a lot. It's almost like the Nuggets, right? They're not, the Denver Nuggets, they're, they're my favorite basketball team. I've been very, very clear about that. They're the champions, by the way. It's still surreal. You know, it takes me back to when the Ravens, you know, won theirs and, you know, how, how great of a feeling it was. But the Nuggets, they had to go through a gauntlet in the Western Conference. They had to go through the Timberwolves. Who, it was the young Timberwolves team, but, you know, still, Anthony Edwards is insane. But then they have to go through Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, and they do that. And then they have to go through LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Now, I understand injuries. I know if people aren't Nuggets fans and they're either Laker fans or Suns fans. I get it. Injuries happen. But, again, that's the thing. Injuries happen. It happens in all professional sports, for the Ravens, for the Nuggets, for NFL, NBA, MLB, whatever. Injuries happen. So health is a very big proponent of this whole thing. But, again, the Nuggets then got to the finals, and they played the eighth-seeded Heat, who should not have, like, Play-wise, they were not an eighth seed. They had gone through a gauntlet in the Eastern Conference themselves. But that was like the Heat weren't, to me, as challenging of a team. For the most part, I'm not, I'm not discrediting what the Heat did. But they weren't as challenging, at least on paper, as the Lakers were, as the Suns were, et cetera, et cetera. So for the Ravens in the NFC, my whole point of this was in the NFC, it's the Eagles who are really good. You got teams like the 49ers, who we'll see what happens with Brock Purdy. The, the Cowboys are supposed to be good. But then... Other than those three teams, I mean, I don't necessarily know who's a key threat. Like maybe the Saints surprise some people this year with Derek Carr. I think if the Ravens can get through that AFC gauntlet, I'd feel confident in them beating the NFC representative. Chiefs are a team that, yes, that Chiefs-Ravens would probably be the AFC championship game. If they can get to the Super Bowl, I think that they could beat any of those NFC teams. Philadelphia, Ravens, Eagles-Ravens would be one heck of a Super Bowl. I mean, I think that'd be a close game, a good game, but – We'll see. I mean, the Ravens have to get there first. But overall, I think the Ravens do have what it takes to win the Super Bowl. New offense, a second-year defensive coordinator, talent all around. I'm not saying there aren't questions. I'm not saying they're perfect. They are not, and they will have to answer some questions. But this is me saying if they can answer those questions, if guys can step up, if guys can build off of positive years last year and get even better, and they can get relatively lucky health-wise, this team has what it takes to me to get to or win the Super Bowl this season. But coming up in the final part of the show, we'll, we'll get into positional previews then. I know I said I was going to do it in the second segment. We'll do that in the final part of the show. Also get into Baltimore's latest roster moves and so much more. Still a ton to get to here on Lockdown Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. And there are plenty of times when people get stressed out buying tickets. Sometimes you're trying to find them last minute. You maybe be hunting down the best price, competing with other buyers for a popular event. Buying tickets to your favorite event should not be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. And there are a bunch of great things about the Game Time app. And for the Ravens, they obviously have the Texans in week one. So if you want to get tickets to that, do it over at Game Time. They have flash deals on last minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets there as well for every kind of event in your area. They also have images of seat views, which is really good if you want to figure out where you're sitting before you actually buy those tickets. They also have a lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. It has exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. 
game time credit you 110% of that difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Stand up tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Lockdown NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, and redeem code Lockdown NFL for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're back here. Our final segment of Lockdown Ravens here on Friday. Kevin Oshaker still here with you. Thank you so much again for being here with me and making us your first listen each and every day. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, follow along in audio form. It's the same show. I appreciate everybody who is listening in audio form. If you're you know listening on your way to work, on your way from work, or if you're watching in video form, you can see my shirt, my face, and the fish, and, and everybody here on this show today. Let's first, again, positional previews. I might expand on this in the next week before the Texans preview episodes that will come out. And if you're new to the channel, new, new to Locked On, we do crossover Thursdays. We'll be getting together with the hosts of the enemy team. So the Ravens, it'll be Texans, the opposing team there in week one. Get together with those guys, and it'll be the opposing team every Thursday. And we will be getting into everything game preview-wise for that. If, if you're here from the very beginning, like you've been here for a while, it used to be crossover Wednesday, but we ended up shifting it over to Thursdays, which is a, is a little twist. But for the positional previews for the Ravens, I'm just going to go through them pretty quickly here. I'm Again, might expand on them. But quarterback-wise, we don't have to worry about that, right? For the Ravens, they have Lamar Jackson. Now, if Lamar Jackson goes down, I think that's a different conversation. But we don't have to worry about Lamar Jackson if he is healthy. Hopefully we'll see the growth in the deep ball accuracy and he'll be able to grow a little more as a player this year too because there's room for improvement every season for everybody. But Lamar is Lamar and that's that. Running back-wise, you have J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, Keaton Mitchell's on IR again. We'll get to that in a couple minutes. Those three guys I'm very confident in. Obviously health has to permit for those guys. J.K., if he can have a fully healthy season, he's going to earn himself a lot of money. I guess relative to what the running back position is, and it's unfortunate that it is the way it is right now, but that's going to be big. Then you also have the fullback position, which I guess you can lump in with running back or tight end, depending on how you view it. But Patrick Ricard, his role is not going to be as big as it was in Greg Roman's offense. It's very clear, but I think the Ravens still want to utilize him. I think he's too talented of a player for the Ravens not to utilize. I know some people aren't very fond of having a fullback on the roster with that cap hit with the new offense, but He's there, so I don't really know what to tell you there. Wide receiver, Odo Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar, Devin DuVernay, and Tylen Wallace. I'm not worried about this group for the first time in a very long time. Feels really good to kind of relax when you're talking about wide receivers and the Ravens after the years of me on this show talking about Antonio Brown, in the years of me talking about Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins and every, every wide receiver that became available. It was Ravens, 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 Ravens. They get Odell, they get Zay Flowers in to pair with the Shaw Bateman. It's going to be great for Lamar over there. If an injury happens, they have the depth to have guys step up too, where that wasn't the case last season. Tight end, Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, Charlie Kohler. Fine group. Andrews is a beast. Likely and Kohler can step up. I like that group. Offensive line-wise, the starters from left to right, you have Ronnie Stanley, John Simpson, Tyre Linderbaum, Kevin Zeitler, Morgan Moses. It's a pretty solid five, especially if Kevin Zeitler can, you know, be his self. If Ronnie Stanley can stay healthy, if Morgan Moses can put together a pretty solid campaign, if Tyler Linderbaum can continue to build off of his year one, if John Simpson can provide them maybe Ben Powers type guard play that they had last season, where the left guard position has been a question mark two years in a row. Well, honestly, it's been a question mark for a little while now. But if John Simpson is going to have that impact, that'll really help Lamar in keeping him upright. And was he was one of PFF's 
highest graded lineman of the preseason and very much so earned that job. Defensive line wise, and again, the depth on the offensive line just, you know, with Salah and Ben Cleveland and, and Patrick McCary and Daniel Falele, it's fine. You know, I think there's a little bit of unprovenness there with Falele and and Salah and Cleveland, but I think McCarry is one of the best swing linemen, if not the best swing lineman in the NFL. Defensive line, you have Justin Matabike and Roger Washington, Travis Jones, Michael Pierce, Brant Urban. Health is going to be key there, too. We know Michael Pierce has struggled with injuries over the course of his career, and they're going to need him because there's no Clays Campbell in the fold anymore. So for Matabike and for Roger Washington and Travis Jones, there's going to be a big step up there. But I feel confident in that group especially if at least one of those three can step up and have a huge, huge, huge leap. Outside linebackers, Adafi Owe, David Ajabo, Jadavian Clowney, Tyus Bowers when he comes back from the NFI. Then you have Tavius Robinson in that fold too. And Willie Cam who's on IR. That It's going to be tough because that pass rush is not just outside linebackers. I think that's a common misconception where people only associate pass rush and sacks with the outside linebackers. Pass rush is a, it's a collective defensive effort. The interior defensive linemen have to generate pressure. Blitzes from inside linebackers like Patrick Green and Roquan Smith, secondary blitzes. But outside linebacker-wise, they have to be able to, one, set the edge. I think Jadavian Clowney is one of the best at that in the NFL. But two, get to the quarterback and bring the quarterback down and not miss sacks. The Ravens cannot miss sacks this season. It happened in the preseason. It's happened year after year for this team. They have to wrap up the quarterback. There have been far too many times where the Ravens have gotten into the offensive backfield and they just could not wrap up the quarterback and it's either a throwaway or a completed pass on a broken play. And that changes the complexion of a drive of a series of a game. So you, you can't have that happen, but for Owe and Ajabo, I'm not expecting like my expectations for Ajabo and a lot of other people's too. They were super high because I think they had to be if the Ravens wanted to be successful this year before Jadavian Clowney. Clowney takes some pressure off of a David Ajabo, I'm not expecting like a 10 sack season from him, but what I do expect is for him to be able to not be put in high pressure situations where he might not be ready for those yet. And I think, oh, wait, this is a big year for him. Has to step up. It's year three. This is a big year. Middle linebackers, inside linebackers. I mentioned Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. You also Malik Harrison in that, Trent Simpson in that, and Delshawn Phillips. I'd actually probably put Delshawn Phillips ahead of Trent Simpson. It feels like Simpson needs a little more development, but with Smith and Queen, one of the best, if not the best linebacker duos in the NFL, in my opinion, they are the best. And that's key for a defense that, you know, we've kind of seen them in a linebacker position, especially playing two at the same time. It's kind of gone out of style for what, you know, teams have done. They bring a safety in the box like we, like we saw with Chuck Clark. But the Ravens will be going with those guys a lot this season, and I'm confident in Roquan Smith, who's one of the best middle linebackers in the NFL, and Patrick Queen, who has continued to stack on his game after a couple of rough early seasons, or at least I'd say inconsistent. Corner-wise, I, I don't even know where to start with this one, honestly. With Marlon Humphrey, he's he's out for a little while. So you have Rocky and Ronald Darby, Jalen Armour Davis, Pepe Williams is on IR for now. We'll get to that. And then Arthur Millette is in that conversation as well. Darius Washington too. Brandon Stevens, depending on where you classify him, corner or safety. They're going to need their pass rush to step up. Pass rush and coverage go hand in hand. And they're going to need Rocky Asin to be a great number one corner for a while. Ronald Darby can step in as the number two. I don't know who they're going to start between Arthur Millette and Darius Washington. Hopefully it's Washington. And I have a feeling it's going to be Millette. But we'll see what happens. And then safety-wise, I feel good. Again, G Geno Stone and Brandon Stevens are the depth pieces there. And then you have Kyle Hamilton and Marcus Williams as your key ones. And then Justin Tucker and Jordan Stout and Tyler Otter, your special teams group. He got the greatest kicker of all time. I'm not worried about that. So 
that was a big rundown of positional previews. We're getting to the latest roster moves quickly here. The Ravens, as anticipated, added Josh Johnson, Brent Urban, and Kevon Seymour back to the octave roster. And what they did is they ended up putting Keaton Mitchell, Malik Ham, and Pepe Williams in injured reserves. So I guess they feel confident enough in Tyler Huntley's injury to not put him on there. We'll see what happens with that. But yeah, so Keaton Mitchell and Malik Ham and Pepe Williams will not be able to play for the first four games that they needed to be on the active roster. And it felt like the Ravens did not think that both Mitchell and Ham would make it through waivers. So they kept them on the active roster. And I don't know if this is going to be a stash situation. I mean, if it was, they would have just put them on IR and ended their season. And then they could, you know, whatever happens, happens. But to me, I think that it signals that Tyler Huntley, I guess, will be healthy enough to either be suited up in week one or ready before the four week timeline of injured reserve. So that's something to watch. And we haven't, yeah, the Ravens were not awarded anybody off of waivers. Well, they actually did, did add one more guy to their practice squad and Bravian Roy, who ended up actually picking off Lamar Jackson last year in that Carolina Panthers game. Apparently they wanted Angelo Blackson on their practice squad, but he ended up going to Jacksonville. So Roy was the option for them there. So the Ravens, it's, it's an exciting time for them. Football's almost back. We're so close. And I, I appreciate you as always tuning in to Locked on Ravens. That's all I have here on this episode of Locked on Ravens, though. I appreciate it. Again, be sure to subscribe, follow along in audio form. We'll be back here on Monday with more Ravens content as we lead up to the 2023 season. It'll be our first game week of the 2023 year, so be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here on Monday on Locked on Ravens.